name is DC O'Rourke. Do you have a message for me to pass on to the living? This is Hauntingly Yours, a podcast for the paranormal. Episode 2 is here, and I have to say something. We are going to stray from the path of discussing haunted places in this episode, and we are instead going to look at discussing haunted people. You heard me right. I said haunted people. Now, please understand something. I'm not here to promote religion or force feed you anything that you don't already believe in. Places are not the only thing that can be haunted, though. People do sometimes find themselves with an attachment, you know, a a spirit or entity that has come to like them a little too much. And in the rare instance, they can even become possessed by said entity or spirit or even a demon in some cases. They find with possession that their behavior, it can become a little violent. They can suddenly speak foreign languages. Religious items seem to strike fear in them and much, much more. Keep in mind, ghostly or even demonic possession isn't always the case either. Unfortunately, mental illness is a very real thing, and it's just as terrifying of a beast. The lines, they often get blurred. The most common way to deal with someone who is possessed, though, is of course an exorcism. Most of us know this nowadays thanks to... Hollywood movies. Honestly, I, I, I'm i pretty sure we can all thank The Exorcist for when that movie came out back in 1973. If you think I'm going to be sharing tales of little girls levitating in bed and vomiting out pea soup, well, let's just hang this up right now, shall we? <laughs> the conviction that demons exist and that they exist to harass, uh, derange, and even smite human beings stretches as far back as religion itself. In ancient Mesopotamia, Babylonian priests performed exorcisms by casting wax figurines of demons into a fire. The Hindu Vedas, thought to have been written between 1500 and 500 BC, refers to supernatural beings known as Azuras, 
but largely understood today as demons that challenged the gods and sabotage human affairs. For the ancient Greeks, they too had demon-like creatures that lurked on the shadowy fringes of the human world. Belief in demonic possession is actually widespread in the United States today. Polls conducted in recent decades by a few different statistic groups suggest that roughly half of Americans believe demonic possession to be a real thing. The percentage who believe in the devil, <laughs> it's even higher, and that in fact has been growing. For example, polls show that the number rose from 55% in 1990 to 70% in 2007. With each growing year, the demand for exorcisms from the Catholic Church seems to grow higher and higher. What could be the cause of this? That's what I want to know. Father Gary Thomas, a priest whose training as an exorcist in Rome was documented in The Right, a book published in 2009, which was later turned into a movie in 2011, has claimed that he gets a dozen requests for exorcisms a week. A week! Father Vincent Lampert, the official exorcist for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, said that in 2018, he received a total of 1,700 phone and email requests for exorcisms. He claimed that was the most he had ever received in a single year. Several other priests reported that without support from the church staff and volunteers, their exorcism ministries would quickly swallow up a good chunk of their weekly schedules. I have to say that's probably very well possible. The church has been training new exorcists in Chicago, Rome, and Manila. As of 2011, there were only 15 known exorcists in the United States. Only 15. Today, there are supposedly close to a hundred of them. No official statistics exist, and most dioceses, well, they conceal the identity of their appointed exorcists to avoid unwanted attention. Indeed, excuse me, in October of 2017, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops had exorcisms and related supplications a handbook containing the rite of exorcism translated into English. The rite had been updated in 1998 and again a few years later, but this was the first time it had been issued in English since it had been standardized in 1614. As one exorcist put it, there's been a whole reclaiming of a ministry that the church has long since set aside. The inescapable question now is this, why, how, what the hell is causing so many people to turn to the Catholic Church for exorcisms in this day and age? Guys, I know 2020 was a whopper of a year for everyone. I can only imagine the exorcism requests were through the roof with everyone being on lockdown. I'll cut myself off there, though. Learn anything new?
why don't we jump right into it? It's story time. I came across this story recently, and the mental imagery that it provided me was terrifyingly wicked. That's the best way I can put it. I was left hanging with, with my jaw pretty much touching the floor. Not all exorcisms end well, by the way. I should probably go ahead and preface that, and I'm sure some of you who are listening will probably agree with me. The story that I'm about to share with you, it's about an exorcism, and it definitely did not end well. On December 11th, 1937, one week had passed since policemen in a southern precinct of Nanking City, China, had been looking for a suspected 23-year-old serial killer named Thomas Wu. According to sources, Wu had killed five women and two men, and they had died under nightmarish circumstances. To make matters even worse, after killing his victims, Wu would eat them. Father Michael Strong, the Jesuit parish priest of the district, contacted police out of the blue and said he could aid with the capture of Thomas Wu, that he had found him in Puchi. The message was passed to the police captain in charge of the case, and after he read it, he found himself confused. The last part of the priest's message was as follows. I am conducting an exorcism. Please give me some time. As if things weren't already bad enough, the plot thickened quite considerably. The very same day, 50,000 Japanese soldiers marched into the city of Nanking after they had dropped a bomb on it. They were given distinct orders to slaughter anyone they could get their hands on. The city was already engulfed in flames, appearing like a giant portal to hell itself, and the Chinese people here were all running for their lives. The Japanese were ruthless. They did not hold back. Innocent babies were ripped from their mother's arms, thrown into the air, and captured on bayonets. Adult men were forced to their knees and decapitated on the spot. Pregnant women had their fetuses cut from their bellies while other women were raped to death. Everywhere you looked, there was complete and total chaos. Tragedy just lingered in the air. The police made it to the other side of the city where Thomas Wu was reported to have been discovered. He was hiding out in an old storehouse used for grain. They surrounded the building carefully with guns drawn. They awaited further instructions from their captain. The captain bravely made his way inside the building. Once he was in, he came across Father Michael, and the scene before him nearly took his breath away. Cowering in a corner like a petrified animal, the naked form of Thomas Wu could be seen as he brandished a very large knife. The room 
It sported dim lighting at best, but the captain could see the wooden shelves scattered throughout the place. The shelves contained mutilated body parts and rotting corpses of dozens of Wu's victims. The smell was enough to bring the strongest of men to their knees. Father Michael brought a hand to his nose. What kind of human being would commit such acts against his fellow man? No human could ever do such things. This was the work of a demon, for sure. Both the father and police captain had known Thomas Wu prior to this. Why, Thomas Wu was even part of Father Michael's congregation, part of his flock. What had changed? Father Michael brought down his hand and took a hold of his Bible, which he held firmly in the air. He began to pray. Wu yelled out in a deep, bellowing voice that was clearly not his own. You! You want to know my name, don't you? Father Michael fell backwards a few steps as if he had been delivered a blow to the chest. The police captain looked on, bewildered. In the name of Jesus, the father said sheepishly, you are commanded. Get out of here. Get the hell out of here, you filthy old eunuch. You will release Thomas Wu, evil spirit, and I am taking him with me, pygmy. I am taking him, and no power anywhere, anywhere you hear can stop us. We are as strong as death. No one's stronger. And he wants to come. You hear me? He wants to. Tell me your name, Father Michael said. Out of nowhere, the elderly priest was interrupted by the roaring of a what sounded like crackling fire up on the rooftop of the building. Where had it come from? Was it a spark carried on the wind? Had the Japanese surrounded them now? But before you know it, the entire place was ablaze, and the storehouse that Thomas Wu had come to seek refuge in, it was now burning, and burning very, very fast. Perhaps the devil decided to intervene and prevent the priest from taking one of his minions. The police captain couldn't stand by and just watch this. He sprung into action straight away. He dragged Father Michael out of the building. Wu yelled over top all the noise, the fire not affecting him one bit. Fool! We are all the same. Always were. Always. Father Michael and the police captain had made it to safety outside. They now gave Wu their undivided attention. Wu continued to taunt them. There's only one of us. One. He trailed off as an inferno of flaming timbers kicked up all around him. Wu looked out the only window in the place as it slowly darkened with soot and grime. Father Michael leaned over to get a better look. Wu had the most sinister grin on his face that he had ever seen in his life. Despite death obviously knocking at his door, this demon did not care. He was at home among the flames. 
This was the stuff nightmares were made of. The flames became intimate with Wu. They caressed his body tenderly, licking along his neck and running their fingers through his hair like some sort of sick and twisted lover. Barely, just barely, Father Michael could hear Wu as he laughed through the hissing of the fire. As he glanced between the flames, he could see the wooden shelves in the room were falling apart. The corpses and the various body parts were disappearing fast. Eyeballs were bursting from their sockets like eggs. Flesh was melting away from bodies left and right. Hair burned off in tiny tufts at a time. And the smell, oh, that smell was absolutely dreadful. Then Wu's grin faded away as did his face. Another face appeared with a similar grin. It was a woman. From there, the face changed into another, and another, and another, and another. It was a whirlwind of different genders, nationalities, ages, religious preferences. Some were shaven and some were not. One thing stayed the same throughout this this kaleidoscope of changing faces. They were all grinning in a similar fashion, and they bore Cain's thumbprint on their chin. Some of these felt familiar to the priest somehow, but they still felt strange to him as they hurtled through their never-ending array of faces. Father Michael murmured, Cain to himself as the window went black. Then, as things proceeded to get a little more interesting, he felt like somebody was standing right next to him. A voice even leaned into his ear. Wrong again, fool, it said. Cain's father. I, the cosmic father of lies and the cosmic lord of death, from the beginning, I, 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 a sharp pain suddenly raced across the priest's chest as if a, a strong hand had wrapped around his heart and started to squeeze. He doubled over in pain as a huge amount of weight could be felt on his chest. He struggled to breathe. The wind roared all around him and lights flashed all over. The blood pumped in his head wildly. It felt like a thousand miles a minute and then he just collapsed to the ground. Father Michael was rushed away from the scene just in time as the roof to the, the storehouse caved in. The place had completely been swallowed by flames now. As he made his way to the hospital, he incoherently mumbled, I, I failed. I failed. I, I must go back. Please. Please. M must go back. No, not later. Please. I, I, I need to save Thomas Wu's soul. Thankfully, Michael got to the hospital just in time. His condition was critical. His situation obviously peril. Apart from several burns and smoke inhalation complications, 
He had also suffered a minor heart attack. Is there convincing evidence for us to believe in evil spirits? I honestly think that it all depends on who you ask. We were all raised differently. We all have different beliefs. If good spirits exist out there in this alternate realm that supposedly runs adjacent to ours, where spirits reside, then why can't there be evil spirits there too? I'll let you be the judge. The story of Thomas Wu, though, is an incredible one. And it really invokes a lot of images, a lot of themes, when you sit down and really think about it. What little there is to know about the story comes from Father Malachi Martin's book, Hostage to the Devil, that he wrote some years after Father Michael Strong's passing. From what can be gathered in his book, Father M Michael went back to Ireland after the attempted exorcism of Wu and found that the event would haunt him for the rest of his life. He seemed to remember every little detail about that attempted exorcism. Wu's words, the many faces that he transitioned through before he died, the mark of Cain upon their chins, he couldn't forget it if he tried. Just before his death, he begged his friend Malachi to come round so he could share the entire story. He needed to unload it. He needed to get it off of his chest, finally. Not too long after that, he passed from this life to the next. By the way, I did find out there is a pretty controversial documentary based off Hostage to the Devil. Um, take it with a grain of salt. That is my personal thoughts on the matter. In terms of Thomas Wu, what do you guys think? Was he possessed by a demon? It's certainly a possibility. He could have been an undiagnosed paranoid schizophrenic, too. Who can really say? I tell you what, though. I will say this. If you need help, ask for it. It's as simple as that. There are far too many resources available nowadays for you to not take advantage of it, or any of them. If you're struggling, reach out. It is okay. Don't let whatever you're going through haunt you for the rest of your life and make you someone that you're not. If you're going out and investigating the paranormal, that's a different story. I will say this though, and I had this drilled into me not too terribly long ago. Protect yourself. I don't care how you do it. Whether you meditate, pray, use crystals, stones, call upon St. Michael the Archangel for his patronage. You get where I'm going with this, right? Guard your soul because you don't know who or what is on the other side of that veil when you make contact. It could be a good spirit or it could be something else entirely different. Be safe. 
don't be stupid. What you see in movies and paranormal television shows like Ghost Adventures, uh, it's nothing compared to reality. <sighs> Places aren't the only things that can be haunted. People can, objects, and much more. Keep that in mind. A little food for thought, if you will. I'm afraid that is all I have for you, though. If you enjoyed this episode, which I hope you did, my friends, my family, go check out the link tree for the show and follow along on the show's social media pages. We've got the official Hauntingly Yours Facebook page. Uh, we've got a Hauntingly Yours um, Paranormal Lounge where you can find out about the, the show and other shows as well as anything and everything paranormal, paranormal events, um, different ghost hunts, see some funny paranormal pictures, videos, what have you. Also, there's Instagram, there's Twitter, there's TikTok, there's even Clubhouse. The official link is L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E backslash hauntingly yours paranormal. Most importantly, don't forget to review and subscribe. I cannot stress this enough, please. I would greatly appreciate it. This helps like-minded people such as ourselves find the show and become a part of this para family that we have all started together. New episodes are released every Monday, so please stay tuned for more. Until next time, I am DC O'Rourke, your Phantom Bard. I am and will remain, much like the spirits, hauntingly yours. Oh, my God.